0: So um, first, how's the volume? Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Uh, wa- I wanted to start tonight with um, a passage from a uh, discourse from the this is from the uh, Nikaya, the Middle Length Sayings, number nineteen. And this is the Buddha talking. <clears throat> Before my enlightenment, when I was still only an unenlightened bodhisatta, it occurred to me, suppose that I divide my thoughts into two classes. Then I sit on one side thoughts of sensual desire, thoughts of ill will, and thoughts of cruelty. And I sit on the other side thoughts of renunciation, non-ill will, and thoughts of non-cruelty. As I abided thus, diligent, ardent, and resolute, A thought of sensual desire arose in me. I understood thus. This thought of sensual desire has arisen in me. This leads to my own affliction, to others' affliction, and to the affliction of both. It obstructs wisdom, causes difficulties, and leads away from nibbana, from the highest peace. When I considered this leads to my own affliction, it subsided in me. When I considered this leads to others' affliction, it subsided in me. When I considered this leads to the affliction of both, it subsided in me. When I considered this obstructs wisdom, causes difficulties, and leads away from nibbana, it subsided in me. Whenever a thought of sensual desire arose in me, I abandoned it, removed it, did away with it. And then he goes on to say the same thing about uh, thoughts of ill will when they arose, and he saw, oh, this causes my own affliction or others. Oh, it subsided in me. And the same four thoughts of cruelty. Now, um, that's all I'm going to read from, from the discourse. Um, it sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Oh, I just have to see that this thought creates problems for myself or others or both of us oh well it worked for the buddha why not for me is that what he's saying you know well i think that's the message you just see the thought and then it subsides sometimes sometimes And this is uh, one of the blessings of practice, to see how the mind gets caught. But it's also one of the challenges of practice, where you see how the mind is caught, and somehow, having read the teachings or been inspired by some very wise, enlightened being, you have the idea, "Oh, if I just see the problems that it causes, um, it will lose its power and not have control over me." And that can is a slippery slope, just a hair's breadth away from thinking, "I should be rid of this thought." All I have, I've seen it, I get the idea, it's not mine, it's not me, it just came out of nowhere, all right already, I got the idea. Why is it still bothersome? Why am I still feeling a kind of contraction? And then we add on the second dart is probably most of you are familiar the second art that the Buddha talks about. The first one it's bad enough as it is. Oh, there's a pain or there's a contraction or there's an unpleasant thought or there's a, a physical discomfort. The second art is when we say, why am I having this? Or why is it still here? Or what's wrong with me? And that's Often, what happens when you have the idea that if you see it clearly, especially if you've been practicing so diligently, that um, the game is over, at least for that thought, but um, this often isn't the case, and i um, i am Sharing this, because I was reflecting it recently, I, uh, uh, something triggered me into a, just a, a pattern of thoughts that I was seeing. I was really seeing, clearly. But something else got, got activated. I kind of, I felt small. I felt you know, back in third grade. You ever have that feeling, like, it's just the other day? You know. How did I get here? It seems so long ago. Oh, it's not. It's just uh, just the other day. Not at ease inside. And there is a, a real blessing in practice because there was awareness that was holding it all as empty. And I, I didn't go down a rabbit hole that I could easily have gone down, and that I did go down many, many times for much of my earlier life. But still, it was there. I felt it nonetheless. just holding it, spacious. It's just the mind do its, doing its thing. And as I uh, have often said here uh, uh, would use my my main instruction to myself when I get caught in the uh, in some struggle, just asking what thought am I believing right now, or what story am I believing right now? Either of those I use, and when I'd remember that, I'd see, oh yeah, it's just a thought, but somehow still there was this feeling inside. Do you know what, what I mean? And this is a a really important dimension of practice that um, I want to explore. Now, it's true that sometimes seeing the pattern can be extraordinarily liberating. Often it can be that way. If you've seen the thought plenty of times, and you've worked with it, and somehow there's a, a release in the, the pattern that there can be a, a real transformation, a real shift. That absolutely happens. And I've experienced that for myself in, in many instances. How many people have had that experience, where you've seen something in a new way, and it no longer has quite the same power? Just I'm curious. Fabulous. Isn't that amazing? So I'm I'm not denying that. I'm not negating that. I'm not saying, oh, there's no hope. I'm just saying it doesn't always work the way we want it to, the agenda that we want it or we think should happen. It often happens on retreat. This is one of the most uh, powerful aspects of retreat. The mind becomes very spacious You can see things in a new way. And in that space, there's also a kind of um, malleability, because the armoring is not quite as tight. And so there's a kind of, in that seeing with more wisdom, with a, a kind heart, and penetrating to levels that aren't usually available to us, there is a kind of internal shift that can sometimes happen. It's very amazing when it comes. There's a there's a um, a line that I, I love by Oliver Wendell Holmes it says, uh, "A mind stretched by a new idea, will not shrink back to its original dimensions." And I, as we can see, all by all the hands, um, there there can be a stretching and you don't see it quite the same way. I can recall my, my own um, retreat experience sitting in the, cafeteria in the dining room of Insight Meditation Society in Massachusetts and stirring a cup of cafix and having my mind completely blown seeing the impermanent nature of reality like I never did before it can happen anywhere <laughs> i was in a heightened state of awareness and saw something that is hard to explain as sometimes you know you might say well you had to be there right well i was there Or taking a, and I just have to think about that as I think about it right now. As soon as I think about it, there it is. I remember again. This is, there's a point to all of this as I'm talking. I can remember another another time, sometimes I share about this in, in retreats, where um, I had been really going slowly for a long time for, and I was getting, it was really working pretty well, and then it was just really tight. And I decided I'm not going to be mindful. I'm going to go for a non—I'm—I'm going to play hooky and go for a non-mindful walk. Right? I'd been just crawling for like three weeks, and just you know, it was really weird. Right? But I said, okay, not going to be mindful. And I put on my boots and my jacket, and I walked out in the uh, um, the winter air and uh, and the snow on the ground at, at, in Barry, Massachusetts, and there I was, you know. Left, right, left, right, hearing, thinking, sniffling, left, right, left. I couldn't turn it off. I I, I was not. I didn't think I was mindful at all. I was, thought I had completely blown my practice because I was so tight and so heavy and so serious and just you know. Um, You know, I forgot what mindfulness is. And that walk was one of the most, it was probably the most mindful walk I I can recall. And as I went through it and as I say it again, I'm right there again. Why or how does that transformation take place? What happens that when those of you who raised your hand and thought of something, oh yeah, I know what that's like. What happens that registers so deeply in you? It's not just an idea. What happens, at least my sense of what happens, is that Not only is your mind stretched by a new idea, but your body gets it in a new way that it never did before. That insight takes place not just in the mind, but in the body. And the more we anchor experience in our body, the more... It's available to us. So sometimes on retreats, uh, people come in to an interview, which is a, a an incredibly privileged setting uh, to be a part of, for somebody who's so open and authentic and uh, honest and seeing things and saying, Yesterday, I was taking a walk down the hill, and I just put my foot down as I was walking to the dining room, and I saw it's all empty. It was just amazing. And then they'll go on to talk a little bit about it, but often I'll say, hold on a second. Let's hang out there. Let me join you in there. And I will invite the person to... Go back and let it register remember how it felt in your body as well as in your mind because they often they'll say well it was just you know a, a lucky moment and you know I, I know I should probably let go of that no 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 let's let's hang out there again and often when they do just kind of tell me what's happening and they describe their experience and I just okay get quiet and remember and much of the time, if not most of the time, they um, they're there again, and I get the the benefit of getting a little transmission i'm 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 the one that gets the transmission from them. Oh, yeah, here it is right. right. And I think it's really important to let that experience be registering deeply in your body because the body is the storehouse for our experience. It's the storehouse for all of our mind states. It's the storehouse for our memories. You know, there's the there's the, the all the sense stores. Every sense store there's a perception. When you see something, you recognize it. There I am looking at that statue, and I see it, and I know it's a statue, and I remember it. And I also have some kind of a, a response to it. I might like it, I might not like it, I might feel neutral about it, but it registers. And that's happening all the time. It's all in there, not only on a sense experience, but on a, on a visceral experience. Just as a little bit of a, uh, an exercise. Close your eyes for a moment. I thought we could. Do a little exploring in this. Each sense door, there's a memory and an actual immediate experience. The taste sense door. Think of a piece of an orange. Have it in your mind. Can you taste it? Do you remember what an orange tastes like? A scoop of vanilla fudge. Do you like it? Maybe not like it. But you know it. Very different from orange. Remember... Sour milk. Know what that one's like? I won't leave you there. Don't worry. A slice of pizza. Mm. R and L's or Zachary's. Mm. Yum. Maybe. Okay, another sense store. Images mm. Barack Obama. Can you see him? Reaction response Sarah Palin. Any difference? The mind can create anything, and not only does it create it, you can feel it in your body. That's what I want you to keep coming back to. Just notice how it feels, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant. How does it register in there? The Dalai Lama. You have an image and a response, and you feel it right in your body. The sense store of hearing. Think of a cheering crowd. Can you hear it? What does it do inside? Bring to mind the sound of a jackhammer. What's that like? It's a memory, but it's an actual experience right in there. Now, allow into your consciousness the sound of a baby laughing. What does that feel like in there? the sense store of smell do you remember what a gardenia smells like my favorite of favorites you just think of it mm gardenia that's nice manure Try that one for a moment. It's what helps make gardenias, probably. What does that smell? Do you remember that? Eucalyptus, like they have here in uh, Grizzly Peak and Tilden. How does it register in the body? As you remember. And then the sense of touch, tactile sense. Just think of velvet. What does that evoke? How about sandpaper? Bring to mind uh, what it feels like—a loving caress, caress from a loved one. What does that do inside? Okay, you can open your eyes if you like. So a little journey, <coughs> and each one has its own unique not only memory, but experience in the body. So given that, this storehouse of experience, we need to understand that since everything is in there, it can be activated. Even though we don't realize it, something triggers us in a visceral way, and we have a response. You ever notice you're in somebody's presence, and somehow you just feel a little less comfortable? And you might not realize it for a while, and then after a while you say, oh, I know. They remind me of, you, know, you can fill in the blank, you know, my aunt, my fifth grade teacher my whoever and there's something on us on a on a on an unconscious or subconscious level that gets activated and then you feel a little tight inside or you're around somebody else and for some reason you just feel so at home so comfortable so relaxed like i know this person because possibly they somehow remind you of a place of safety inside. And so you feel safe and at home. Now, it's important to understand that in this storehouse of experience, the mind and the brain often registers negative experiences more deeply. As, uh, as my friend Rick Hansen says, and he has a he's he teaches sometimes at, uh spirit rock a neuroscience uh, expert who's just come out with a book called Buddha's Brain. It's a really excellent book. Uh, he says the mind is uh, Velcro for negative experiences and Teflon for positive experiences. And that's how we're kind of wired up, it keeps us in survival, you know, because if you're just going about la-la land thinking, oh, life is, is wonderful and there's no problems anywhere, well, you know, that's the fittest are the ones that survive and the ones who have their radar out for potential problems. So it's kept the species going but there's this kind of tricky thing in our brain this amygdala that has its radar out for what could go wrong and sometimes it works overtime and overdrive and so uh, and it's actually one of the things that meditation does is it kind of uh, dampens the power of the amygdala to evoke a fear response so when we have negative experiences, they get anchored in our body and aren't so easily undone. You, uh, you might be familiar actually, I brought here with uh, the work of uh, Peter Levine. How many people are familiar with Peter Levine? Okay. Well, there's this wonderful book. a a classic called Waking the Tiger, Healing Trauma, by Peter Levine. And he has developed this um, um, approach to trauma healing. It's very effective and very powerful, called Somatic Experiencing, where he says we store trauma in our body, and there's a way to release it, but we don't usually realize that we're stuck, we're frozen. And he studied um, animals in nature. And he would give the example, like a, you ever see a, a bird flying and not realizing it's going into some glass, and it gets stunned. And chances are, often, if it's given a chance and it's just left alone, it's stunned, it's frozen, and then if it's not, if it's still alive, it wakes up, and it shakes itself out and goes on, flies away. The trauma doesn't remain because it's shaken out. It's released through the body. And he studied lots of animals. This is hap- This happens in nature. When an animal is traumatized or goes through a major crisis, given... The right conditions, it will shake itself out. But we humans don't often shake ourselves out when we get traumatized and we get stuck or frozen. And there's a way in his technique of over time very uh, gently and seeing how the mind got snagged and how the body is holding that energy. And when it does, there can be little by little a release which is actually one thing that happens on those retreats where you are so wide open that there's a malleability that's not usually available to you. Or when you have a very profound moment where there's a deep, heightened awareness, and again, you're penetrating the normal waking consciousness and can have a kind of uh, very deep, profound release. And so one of the actually one of the things that i I like to teach and that uh probably most of you are familiar with this uh joy course that i that I teach is the value the power of anchoring wholesome states in the body, not to miss it, not just have your mind out looking for you know for the negative experiences and glomming onto them, but when the the positive comes not to be uh, Teflon, but to really let it sink in and feel it in your body. So reliving an insight. This is very much like metta practice. In metta practice, you have the phrase. How many people have done metta practice here, loving kindness practice? So you say a phrase, may I be happy. You have an image of it. And then, if you can get in touch with the feeling, that's when it really connects. So, just for a moment, let's let's do this, and uh, in the context of this this topic, think of somebody that you really love, that brings you joy just to be around. It can be a pet, can be a child, it can be a, a dear friend and just imagine them here with you and have an image of them and then just wish them well may you be happy may you feel my love for you and As you're doing that, just get in touch with the sense of what it feels like to feel that love. It's right there, right in the body, and we can train ourselves to deepen that connection. So uh, before I get back to that place that we get stuck even when we know better. I just thought I'd uh, have us maybe do a little bit of an interactive experience. Just recall an experience right now in your mind, an experience or an important lesson that left an impact on you, a a positive impact. It might have been a, a challenging experience, but. That really hit home maybe it was one of those insights that you had and uh, remember as you're recalling it how it felt and how it feels in your body all the senses just recall right now the depth of that insight and or that understanding or that lesson and let yourself relax into it and if it wasn't a a deep insight maybe just an important lesson something that really registered that you saw something in a new way Okay, And now, just uh, as a way to connect so you're not just listening to me talk all the time, I'd like you to uh, turn to somebody near you and just share your experience of what that was like. You don't, maybe you don't need to go into all the details, but just how it felt in your body and what, uh, what your storehouse of understanding, uh, how it registered in there. We'll just take a few minutes to, to do this. You can do it as a a dyad, or if you want, you can do a triad. That's okay, too. Make sure the other person gets a chance, other people get a chance, just a few more minutes. Okay, start finishing up. So um, that's the good news, that there can be positive lessons in there. Uh, But let's get back to what I started with, when things don't just subside when you see the thought. Given that the body has taken it in and not quite ready to let go of it, um, how do you work with that? The mind sees clearly, and the body just isn't there quite yet. Just in your wisest moments, you might reflect how to work with that fact without adding the second dart on top of things. Saying, I can't believe I'm still here. Oh my God, how pathetic this is. No, no, no. <laughs> there there must be another approach. I have a, a, a bunch of things, but I thought I'd uh I'd first get the wisdom from you yeah Anastasia is it on yeah right next to your lips right next to my lips
1: Um, this actually came up for me the other day and it does come up for me from time to time because when I'm practicing I'm aware of things and I'm aware of uh, patterns and emotional pain and all that kind of thing and um, I too can't be just rid of how I feel or rid of the reverb that comes from a situation mm-hmm. and something that helped me over the past week when I something bugged at me again and I can, my thoughts would go back to a situation. And I'm like, okay, there's my mind doing that dance, like the ouch and like, mm-hmm. okay, let me review that. And um, what made it easier was considering that the situation was somewhat fresh and I compared my growth last week compared to where it was a month ago and then I thought well is it really that bad then and then I realized actually you know the practice is paying off but I can't really have control over the lifespan Mm -hmm. um, of the thought or the the reaction even as it softens or gets a little bit um, more triggered up. Mm-hmm. And if I really want to feel better about it, <laughs> I'll think maybe it's a karma as well playing out and it might just have its own momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, Very good. That so makes it softer.
0: Just karma playing out, but also you're seeing some kind, of, you're going in some direction or maybe you're learning, you're in the process of learning to work with this in a, in a healthy way. Maybe not as fast as your timetable would like. Never but as it's fast. <laughs> <It> never as <laughs> fast, yeah. But that's, that's an excellent mm-hmm. one. Great, that's one of them right here. So what else? Any different one? Yes, back uh, past the, the mic. Next. And put it right next to your lips, almost like, a, like an ice cream cone. Yeah.
1: So James, I use your magic words. It's what? like this. Uh, um. You know that I can be aware, and have my body feel a certain way, and it's like, okay, it's like this. Uh-huh. My body feels like this. My mind sees it like this. There we are.
0: Okay, so it's like this. That's Ajahn Sumedho's main uh, instruction. It is how it is, rather than wishing it were different, not adding that extra frustration that it, that it's not. Ah. Oh, that lets go of a whole layer of contraction, beautiful. It's This is how things are, Okay. excellent. Something else, Jaime, over there. Pass it down, oh, did you want
1: As far as body feelings go, um, I know that, or I've experienced that when I um, have pains in places or hurts in places Um, before I used to try to ignore it and repress it and not get in touch with it but I have found out that if I really focus on it and be with it and um, and try to take care of it in some way by breathing into it you know what it goes away Mm -hmm. it's great
0: okay so sometimes by really focusing on the actual experience the the emotional energetic experience
1: and and the physical and the, uh, and the physical And the physical goes away.
0: Yeah, yeah. So if you're interested, it's like in that RAIN acronym, recognize, allow, investigate, and non-identify. If you're really interested, you can't be adding on the aversion and hoping that it'll be going away. And that in itself allows for a kind of openness. <clears throat> Very good. Not always, however, and one of the tricks is saying, Uh, we get caught in thinking, aha, I just have to be mindful and then it will work. But you can't trick it. It knows. But if you simply are willing to become very curious about it, that often can create space. Yeah, Ghidra. Um,
1: There there are times that uh, I'm just caught up in the struggle and it just goes around in circles and it gets tighter and tighter. And if I can just lay down on the earth on the floor uh, it just helps me feel more grounded I just let I just let it be that mm-hmm. I feel the support of the earth yeah
0: feeling grounded is huge you're not all alone flying out in space in your mind so feeling the earth sometimes hugging a tree can be helpful, or sometimes finding the support in somebody else to bounce it off of you. Okay, thank you, and uh, behind you over there.
1: Um, I've had some success with, if I'm having the thought that I don't think that I want to have, is to vocalize it, to actually say it out loud in the extreme emotion of what, if it's a mean thought, I try to say it in the meanest voice possible, and then when I hear it back again, I, it either makes me laugh or I feel it's something about letting it outside of me. Mm-hmm. Usually, I, reali- I on a physical level, I see it as mm-hmm. something very I don't good.
0: Want. Actually, I, I was reading in some uh, neuroscience that when you name something, that actually naming it out loud, there is a lessening of the. Um, uh, of the intensity of it. It's, you know, just like in, uh, in mythology, when the, when the hero or the heroine found out the name of the monster or the demon, just this is it, like you're verbalizing it. Rumpelstiltskin, yeah. There's lots of different mythology uh, myths like that. You name it, you say it, ah, there it is. It's not so internalized. It's out there. See it, great. Maybe uh, one more. There was somebody behind you. Yeah, real close to
1: your mouth. Hi. A few years ago, I took your um, beginning meditation class. Loud enough. Go ahead. (laughs) And um, uh,
0: was going through a lot of pain at the time. And um, one thing that you said that was very helpful to me was to take just one small portion of that and let that be and that's been very helpful to me over time when things your thoughts your painful thoughts are cycling and building and getting bigger and bigger sometimes if you can just latch on one little part of that one little image of that and and just allow yourself to be with that one little image or one little feeling Mm -hmm. that that helps me a lot Mm -hmm. yeah just a little at a time manageable way to relate to things Great. OK. So just a few more since it's almost time for us to, to go. I, I hope as you're as we're exploring this, you see this is a predicament that all of us are subject to, to not take it personally. That as we see, oh, this is part of the human condition. And it's part of our conditioning it's just conditioning, then we don't have to take it quite so personally and there can be real compassion that you're exploring it, not just for you, but for all of us. And in that, it's an act of generosity to not beat yourself up so that you see the universality of it all and to have great patience with it. Realizing that since these patterns have taken a while to develop, they're not going to undo all at once. What, uh, what was said about, not, oh, Anastasia is saying it not being quite as long. Over time, what I've seen is that the lag time is a bit shorter. It's certainly shorter for me than it was when I first started doing this you know where i could get lost for weeks or months you know now it's you know days or minutes but that not that it's always in a linear way that it's going to go that way but you're more and more that lag time is there where you see it but even though your body is experiencing it it's there but you just give it space to know like everything this will pass you'll come back to yourself again sooner or later you'll laugh you'll feel connected you'll be at ease you'll be yourself it just takes a little while and know that something else is coming through even it's the amazing thing you know you think you might think oh everybody around is going to See, I am just so untogether, but mysteriously, there's something else that comes through you that's even more powerful than the untogether part. Your goodness still shines through. Your sincerity can still shine through. If you are connected with the Dharma, your dedication to waking up still shines through, something else still shines through, it's always here. And you're not gonna lose that. Even if it seems like it's been covered over or gone, it's always here. This is what's waiting for you when the obscurations lift. And they do lift. And more and more, they not only lift, but uh, that becomes the place that you mainly come from it's possible i want to close with a dana faults poem that reminds me of this this is called here it's always here the silent underpinning the foundation beneath the foundation when i reach deep enough into darkness inside fear self-doubt, aversion, or despair. There's something so intact, I almost miss it in my focus on brokenness. It's always here, this ground of being. Like the water in which fish swim, it's easy to overlook the eloquence of truth. It's here, this guiding presence, this calm, abiding stillness. It's here when I don't try to make life any more or less than what it is, when I stop trying to be right. It's here when I unclench my fists and breathe, when I let go of the demand to make life smooth or easy. It's here, the oneness underlying multiplicity, the exquisite isness of everything. I could shout it from the rooftops but it's true no matter what I say, and I know you'll find it in your own time, your own way, that precious moment when you choose to meet life exactly as it is. So let's close with a brief loving kindness. And... Uh, As you go inside, breathe through your heart center. Breathe in all the goodness of life around you. Let it touch your own goodness, and then let that radiate out. Wish yourself well. May I remember. Who I really am. May I see through the fear and confusion to the place of understanding and love. May I share my love well. And then... Extending that to everybody here and all beings in all directions as I want to be happy may all find happiness May all See through their confusions and fears Remember their true nature May all Share their love well And may our coming here together, Mm. mutual interest and commitment to the truth, be of benefit to ourselves, to everyone in our lives, and ripple out to benefit all beings everywhere. May all beings find happiness and peace. Be kind to yourself. Next Thursday is Thanksgiving. Remember all the blessings in your life and share your gratitude. See you in a few weeks. Thank you. for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.